Ourselves Black is a place where we own the narrative and are unapologetic about our goal, to share imagery, information, and stories infused with knowledge that promotes black mental health. This is the Ourselves Black podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Y. Vincent. On today's edition of the Ourselves Black podcast, part two of a two-part discussion about childhood trauma with guest expert, Dr. Michelle Durham. Dr. Michelle Durham is an adult, child, and adolescent psychiatrist. She received her medical degree from Louisiana State University in New Orleans, Louisiana, and completed her residency training at Boston University School of Medicine, Boston Medical Center. She completed her Child and Adolescent Psychiatry Fellowship at the Yale Child Study Center in New Haven, Connecticut, and received her MPH in Health Policy and Management from the Emory Rollins School of Public Health. Dr. Durham's interests lie in advocacy, mental health care integration into the pediatric primary care setting, trauma in young children, health disparities among minority populations, and training and education. Welcome to today's episode of the Ourselves Black podcast. We have Dr. Michelle Durham back uh, to talk some more about childhood trauma. Dr. Durham, welcome back to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be back. And so we spent the first part of this two-part show uh, really just kind of talking about trauma and what it is, providing some introductory information about childhood trauma. And the second show, we're going to spend more time talking about it specifically within uh, the black community and the implications of trauma uh, when it comes to black mental health. And so, Dr. Durham, if you would, uh, could you start us off with some of the unique uh, considerations in the black community when it comes to trauma and mental well-being? Yeah, I I think this goes a bit back to what we talked in one of our our earlier segments and that sometimes things that um, people, more so in maybe low socioeconomic communities, but, you know, in today's political climate, in today's world, we're also seeing it no matter matter who you are, um, that you know, with police shootings and things happening to, to kids that these things aren't impacting other kids or, or not impacting our black community, but they are, right? That just because someone, that person next to you isn't the person getting shot or your best friend or, but we're witnessing a lot of things that's really impacting us all. And I think especially in the black community, though, we need to start thinking as well about how do we, how do we deal with this? And how do we start thinking, having a conversation around what does it mean and what does it mean to get help? Um, because there is a lot of stigma as well on just getting mental health services, um, going to the doctor, seeing a therapist, having someone to talk to. And, and the conversation needs to, to go that way as well when we're starting to think about how trauma impacts our mental health. Um, depression, anxiety, having trouble sleeping, having trouble concentrating, not being able, especially for kids, being able to do their schoolwork, can happen for adults as well, having difficulty in the workplace. 
And so for all of those reasons, I think that, especially in the black community, we have to really start thinking about destigmatizing. So stop thinking about this as a negative thing to go see someone for your mental health and well-being. And that's really what it's all about, that you know, physical complaints are one thing, but our mental health is definitely another thing that has just, just as profound effects if we don't take care of ourselves. And there's such a, I, I see it in some of my clinic as well, of like sometimes people make it in to see us in our, in our clinic, in our mental health clinic, um, but then don't come back for one reason or the other. And sometimes the reasons are the family felt like they didn't need to go back. Um, they felt like, oh, you, you're not quote unquote crazy. We hear that frequently as well. Um, and so we have to move away from that, that language um, because we're, not, we're doing ourselves and our community a real disservice when, when we're not seeking the help for things that are very treatable and that we know that we have treatments for them. But there is, you know, there are great disparities, and, and I think we, you know, we can admit that too, that there's a disparity in the, the access for mental health services, especially for lower income minority youth. Um, and, and there's an issue with them getting to providers, getting to see doctors or therapists for their mental health, um, and then also being consistent after that just because um, of lots of barriers sometimes that are in place. Um, but I think starting with those two things, I think it's, a, it's a, obviously a huge conversation to have and, and a really broad topic. Um, but if we could do two, a couple of things. One, start supporting each other in the fact that um, traumatic events do impact our mental health. Um, so witnessing you know, gun violence or community violence, witnessing people fighting all the time, um, especially your loved ones arguing and fighting and hitting each other, um, have real can have really negative consequences on, on mental health. And going in and seeking services and having the support of your family to do that can really be a, a good step in, in the right, uh, the first step in, um, in getting services and treatment and a step in the right direction. Um, and so once we start supporting each other a little bit more, then maybe we, we can see how we can all get you know, better coping skills, better ways to cope with some of the daily stresses. Because not that all the daily stresses go away, but at least you'll have more things to do to how to deal with this in a healthy way. And especially for kids that, you know, in adolescence we see this a lot too, so teenagers becoming really just angry. Um, and it's not the normal... Um, teenage anger, but more, um, more that we can, they could be depressed, they could be overwhelmed, they could be dealing with trauma, and really seeking out some help for those kids so that we don't see those kids go down the wrong path um, and end up in the juvenile justice system, which there's a huge disparity in, in our, you know, black and brown boys and girls ending up in, in that system instead of the mental health system. Um, which is where they should be to deal with a lot of what's been going on um, in their lives. Yeah, and I, we can sometimes really focus on, you know, the mental health system and accessing it, um, and we know that that can be difficult. Uh, but as you said, sometimes people, even when they have access or they can come in, it may be difficult for families to support that healing process in the most 
helpful way. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you see get in the way of families uh, being able to, to help their loved ones? Uh, because I think most of the time they want to, um, yeah. but there are things that can sometimes be barriers even within our own homes. Yeah, I think, you know, part of that may be, you know, educating. We all have to educate ourselves a bit about what's happening. Um, I think, you know, sometimes it is hard to understand why a person is acting a certain way or not doing certain things. Um, And so it's important, um, I I think of, you know, because I'm a child psychiatrist, I think a lot about kids and adolescents, and and I always tell parents that, you know, the kid is not going to get better without the support of the adults around them uh, because they need that support. They need that love, they need that guidance, and they need that um, level of understanding. But that doesn't go to say that even the adults need that too. Right. And I think sometimes it's harder for those adults because maybe they don't want to reach out for help. Um, they don't want to admit um, that, they have, that there's a problem. Um, they don't want to disclose that. But that might be the most powerful thing that they can, one of the most powerful things they can do in, in their first step in treatment is actually t- telling you know, a member of the family, a really close friend, telling someone that this is what's going on, that you're going to get treatment, but that you have someone outside in the community too that can support you on your way um, because you're going to go to treatment. You might go once a week. You might go once a month. You might keep, but you want somebody that can be in your life every day. Um, and so that may be the church. You know, a lot of our communities do go to church and, and, and find great strength in that, and that is fantastic. Um, so having your support network outside of the treatment that you're getting I think is really essential um, to getting better. And so, you know, I know sometimes we feel like it's, sometimes our communities might feel like, oh, well, it's, it's this or this. But it's not. It should be both. It should be that, hey, we, get, we go to the mental health professional um, to get treatment and, th- and that we have our support network when we leave that office for our everyday life that, that helps support us in our progress to mental health. And you, you hinted at this um, in part of your answer, but... It, it, I think it speaks to the importance of modeling, right, for the adults mm-hmm. around kids, that it's hard to tell children you should own your feelings and open up and be willing to be vulnerable if they see the adults around them just shutting down or acting out or doing those sorts of things. Um, right. Because kids pay attention to what you do. And, of course, you don't want to use your 8-year-old as your confidant, but there is something to be said for them seeing you not trying to um, be superhuman, right, that they don't see it as a failure to own negative or difficult emotions because they pay so much attention uh, to Mm -hmm. what you do, uh, even more so than they pay to what you say. Yes, exactly. No, yeah, and excellent. I mean, everything I think we do in our child work is really, too, to educate parents on how much kids just want to be like them mm-hmm. um, or to that caregiver. I mean, that is what, that's their role model. So how you, you know, how the adult decides to handle certain situations, um, the kid will, will notice that and then probably replicate that and want to do it the same way. 
And so not to say adults are perfect. We're not going to be perfect. But I think it's also when we, when we don't do it perfectly that we can also vocalize that to the kid. Hey, I yelled at such and such today. That really wasn't the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, let's, have a ta- let's talk about it. Let's talk about, you know, next time I think I would do it like this. And you can have those conversations with your kids because we're human and we're going to mess up, and that's okay. But to own it, to talk about it, to be able to express it, and hey, and we're going to do better next time. And because then the kid will be more comfortable too than expressing their, what they're thinking and feeling and how they're dealing with things and how some things may be just difficult to deal with and they're having a hard time. So how can, how can you help me figure that out? And they'll be more comfortable telling you that as the, that adult, uh, that parent, that caregiver. And then you can work on that together. Um, and to also, you know, always remember, we have these conversations too a lot in my office of it's okay to get angry. Like we're not saying you can't be angry anymore. We're just saying let's try to figure out other ways to deal with your anger besides hitting somebody, right, which leads down a whole road that we don't want you to go down. So let's just let's try to figure that out together. Um, and as a parent, um, you, you're going to be the best resource for that kid to model when I'm angry, what, is, what am I, what what I going to do and how am I going to react and how am I going to control my anger in good, healthy ways? Um, because they're, they are really looking at you for those answers. Yeah. And so thinking about the flip side of this, so we know if trauma occurs, by definition, that child is going to be at higher risk for negative mental health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Looking at it from the other direction, what are things that we can do as a community or within families uh, to promote resilience and to promote well-being um, and to prevent exposure to trauma? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, a, a couple of things, you know, So there are going to be certain instances where you're not going to be able to completely protect, right, your child from maybe things that happen outside of the home, obviously, um, because yeah. those things are just aren't in your control sometimes as a parent. So what happens, but all that being said, what can happen before is in, in really instilling, you know, all of those good values that, we, that you all want in, in your kids, essentially. And so how do you make your child be a, a very a confident a kid with um, good self-esteem, um, that you also have an open dialogue with your child, that they can tell you if something bad has happened? Because that happens sometimes, too, that they don't want to tell the parent because they think something bad might happen to them. Um, so how do you, you know, have a supportive environment at home where, you know, there's discipline, there's rules, of course, uh, but you're creating an environment where the child can express themselves, um, know that they're safe, um, feel that safety and security from the parent. Um, And then also, well, just building a really, you know, a confident child that has all those good self-esteem and thinking about they're positive about themselves, they think, you know, they're smart, um, they're going to school, they're doing all of those um, things that they should be doing as a kid, Um, and they have a good relationship with the adult in their life, too, uh, because then you're, you're more prone that if a traumatic event happens, 
that A, that child will, will bounce back likely a better uh, because of the supportive nurturing environment that that parent or guardian or adult created. Um, and then when they have the, that internal strength of you know, being very resilient in the sense of having a lot of um, positive, a positive temperament, so a positive way of thinking about themselves and viewing the world, and they know that they're good, um, and they have good values, and then they'll likely bounce back from that traumatic event without ever leading to what we you know, called post-traumatic stress disorder. So when all of those things, all the behaviors and symptoms don't go away, um, but they're more likely not to lead because they have this nurturing environment um, that they've been grown, you know, and, and everyone's sort of knowledgeable about how they feel. They understand that the parent's there to keep them safe that there might be a period of time where they feel a little bit stressed about the, what happened. But after, after a little bit of time, they do better. And I think that I think all of those things, really just a positive nurturing environment can go a long way if something is to happen to the child or to the family. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, we can't control everything. We'd like to be able to control everything, right, um, right. but we can't always. So in situations where something bad does happen, in the aftermath, what is important for caregivers to know? I think the biggest thing is that um, typically I think caregivers want to, of course, it's, your, it's probably like this innate response to like totally protect your child and say, okay, I'm going to be with you 24-7 all the time. You don't have to go to school anymore for two weeks. You don't have to go back to wherever the bad thing happened ever. Um, and that's actually the opposite response. And it's a little bit maybe you know, the opposite of what any parent or caregiver would think because you want to protect your child. Um, but actually, it should really be the opposite. So it should be that you